You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Well, welcome back. We're excited to see you. Last week, we kicked off a series on prayer. And I don't know if there's any more basic topic in the church today than prayer. And because it's so bottom shelf, because it is so basic, I think it's often the most neglected. And you say, how did you get to that conclusion? Because I believe that too often we spiritually are anemic and don't have the power and strength we need in the Christian life because we've neglected this all-important vital part of our lifeline as a believer through prayer. We gave the illustration last week. For anybody that's in a relationship, I went around the room and I asked people for their best relationship advice. And some of your relationship advice, we can tell why your relationships struggle. No, just kidding. That was me. That was me. Uh, Some of you were thinking it, though, weren't you? You are like, yeah, they ain't going to make it, you know? But some of you had great advice, and there was a common theme towards the end, and that had to do with the theme of communication. And we get that in our relationships, don't we? That I won't have a very good relationship with my wife, Jane, if we don't talk. Friday night, we went on a date, and we were able to just talk. It's nice to go and be alone for just a few hours and not have any interruptions. I don't know about your children or your grandkids, but my kids, they don't even have anything to talk about. They just want to be heard. They'll be like, um, Dad, um, Mom, and you'll sit there and say yes, and they're like, they're thinking of something to say. <laughs> like, don't do that. I'm trying to like have a conversation, or I'm just trying to watch sports, or I'm just trying to like recoup from the day. And so we realize that communication with loved ones is very important to have a healthy relationship. We even said it's important among employees and coworkers. Imagine your boss just sends you emails that you never respond to. Pretty soon, he'll stop sending you emails, and then you'll find a pink slip in your box that says, hey, you need to find a job elsewhere. Communication's important. Communication is important not only just with people, relationships. Communication is important with even our vehicles. Our vehicles will talk back to us. Little, little lights will come on on the dashboard that'll say, change the oil, check the tire pressure. And if you ignore that means of communication where this advanced machinery is trying to communicate with you, though it doesn't speak the English language, it speaks Toyota, it speaks Honda, some of you wealthier people, Mercedes, and things like that. It speaks a language to you, and some of you just ignore the language. And all of a sudden, smoke starts coming out of your car. All kinds of things just start happening. I called somebody about 10.30 this week who's a mechanic in the church, and I just showed them the car, and they were like, yeah, no, it's done. I didn't ruin the car. Somebody else did. Don't look at me like, yeah, uh, we knew you would do that. No, it was somebody else. And so it was just amazing that things communicate with us, and if we don't have a healthy dialogue, it's not going to be a strong, healthy relationship. Now, if you have received Christ as your Savior, you've committed your life to Christ, then you and I, we have a new relationship with God, and it's called God our Father. And there needs to be communication with Him. But oftentimes, when we talk about communication with God, we relegate it to emergencies. 
Oh, man, I'm in, I'm in trouble. God, you got to fix this. Oh, I screwed this up. Man, I did this. I can't believe this. God, you gotta, you got to rescue. you got to fix this. And some people have said, if you only pray when you're in trouble, then you're in trouble. <laughs> also, sometimes it's the only time we talk to God is before a meal. Now, I would rather you talk to God at least before a meal than never talk to God. But the reality is we're missing out on a vital relationship. Some of you know people that you get the privilege of talking with them, and it's awesome. I mean, some of the contacts in your phone, some people may be like, oh, you know that person? You know this person? Weird trivia. My mother's maiden name is Olson. On my family tree is Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson. Yeah, no, for real. I've never talked to, talked to them. They've never made me any designer clothing, you know, never hooked me up with some royalties, a full house. I don't have their contact. But how cool would that be? You're like, no, that's the 90s thing, you know, full house, you know, and everything. But it would just be neat to have contact. Now, imagine you have contact with the creator of the universe, and you're like, nah, I'll catch you later. Nah, I'm, I'm too busy. God's like, I created everything that's around you. I have the ability to direct your steps. I have the ability to correct what you have messed up. I have the ability to bring things into your life that you need, and yet you're going to ignore me? Or some of us, we are wishing and hoping that things change in our life, and we're missing out on this opportunity to pray and to seek God on these things. And so last week, we talked about praying the price, and we specifically got into praying the names of God. And I challenged our church Based on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he told his disciples, could you not, I'm using old King James, could you not tarry one hour? Could you not pray one hour? And so I challenged our church to pray for an hour a day. How many of you, that was hard. Let me just see your hands. That was hard, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm glad it was hard. You say, what? Because we said last week, we don't remember easy things. We only remember hard things. And it becomes more memorable. But I'm also hoping that it's like when I first started going to the gym and when I first started lifting weights and I looked over at the 14-year-old junior high girl that I taught in junior high was lifting more than me. I said, this better get better or I'm quitting right now because I have way too much ego and way too much pride than letting a 14-year-old. And I know somebody's going to be like, wow, this guy is so chauvinist. No, don't read into it that much. It's just that I got a healthy ego that God is humbling. And he did in that moment. But over time, I learned technique where I could lift heavier because I was lifting on my toes. And if you lift on your toes, you don't have good balance. And you fall over and you hurt yourself and everybody else in the gym laughs. Trust me, I'm speaking from experience. They, they're not like, oh, we're so sorry. They're like, ah. So when it comes to praying, the same thing. We need to learn how. And oftentimes, I just thought prayer is easy. It'll come natural. I'm a child of God. This is easy. And then it's like, all right, I'm going to pray everything I know how to pray. And he prayed those prayers like, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my soul to keep. Or it's one of those prayers that uh, we don't know how to pray. Like, thank you, God, for being a good neighbor. What am I praying? Thank you, God, that you melted my hands and not my mouth. Like, what is going on? You do, you're just saying random things. You don't, you don't even know. But what if it was meaningful prayer? You ever had a conversation? Your heart was heavy, and you had a conversation with someone. And as you're talking with them, the burden seems to get lighter. 
They didn't fix the situation. They didn't, they didn't hand you a bunch of money. They didn't give you a new car. They didn't, you know, bring somebody into your life that could fix it. But just the simple aspect of you getting to just talk through it, verbally process, made the situation better. And yet God does infinitely more than that, and we don't pray. And we are called to pray. Jesus specifically said, in my house shall be called the house of prayer. And for the house to be called a, a, a house of prayer, that means God's people must be the people of prayer. That means you and I must know how to pray. And not just simple, short prayers, but I'm talking about earth-shattering prayers. Prayers that all of a sudden we start seeing God do the miraculous. Where God starts seeing people that we thought would never be saved, saved. Where God starts mending broken relationships. Where estranged children are brought back into fellowship. Where we start seeing things happen that we would call a miracle. Why? Because of prayer. Mighty, earth-shaking prayer. And last week, we learned the first step to prayer, and that is praying the names of God. And I'll tell you what, I, I get going through the names of God, and my hour can fly by because I just start meditating on how great God is. Because you start speaking about the names of God, and then we broke down the characteristics. I gave you eight names of God, and my wife was like, hey, you know there's more. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot more. And she said, you know, as you just start praying and talking about God, your heart begins to fill with faith because it's not about your resources. It's about our father's resources. All of a sudden, now you're not approaching your problem, your situation with your intellect and your resources. You're approaching it with heaven's resources and heaven's perspective. So now we come to week number two. And now that we understand a pivotal truth, and that pivotal truth was praise puts me in a position to, pet uh, to petition. And I, and I use it kind of catchy just because I want it to stay in your mind. Praise puts me in a position to petition God. Because oftentimes we just start petitioning God. And, and I liken it to this illustration, okay? Have you noticed that lately there's a lot of people asking for money everywhere? And have you noticed they just kind of make a mess everywhere they are? And have you noticed they kind of act a little bit entitled? Have you just, eh, just kind of get under your skin? You're like... What are all these people? What are they doing? They just want money. They don't work. You're like, you look like you could work. And you were asking me for my money? Who do you think you are? Who's seen them? You've seen them? They're around. Oh, so you all have kids too. Gotcha. I'm going to pray for y'all. No, I'm just kidding. But understand, what do kids do? They just take, they don't even, they just go straight to just gimme, gimme, gimme. They never say, hey, dad, you're awesome. It's so good to see you. And some of you are like, well, I know when they start doing that line that they want something. I don't care if they do want something. I just want them to be polite because I'm afraid that that's how they'll ask other people. I don't want them going to their boss and be like, hey, man, give me a raise. Their boss is like, hey, I gave you a job. Now get back to work. But yet, when we change the way we approach God, we're very cavalier. And so I want to help us because praise now puts us in a position to petition God. Because we talked about last week how uh, uh, we saw uh, the breaking the sound barrier at 760 miles per hour. That's intense. But do you know to break Earth's gravitational pull, you have to break 17,000 miles per hour? We're talking about going to another level in our prayer. Not just breaking a sound barrier, 
We're talking about breaking earth's gravitational pull. You know, the biggest pull on me that keeps me from prayer is my own fatigue, my own laziness. So we said we may have a desire to pray. We don't have the discipline to pray. So we're working on that discipline. So I hope you came to work a little bit today. I hope you don't mind that this is going to be a little of school. I know it's the weekend. I know you want to relax. But guess what? You got that on Thursday, which is totally inconvenient for everybody involved. Monday would have been fine. Friday would have been good. But no, somebody said, let's do it Thursday. And I met a whole lot of angry parents who were like, my kid got off one day. He couldn't do it on Friday. I got to rearrange my school schedule. Anyway, I'm not bitter. Let's continue on. So let's go to Matthew chapter number six. Let's turn our attention to the screen. And we haven't done this in a long time. But can we read together just these few verses? And I bet you some of you have this memorized. But let's read Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13 together. Here's verse number 9. Let's read it and read it together. Ready? Begin. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, you are a holy God. We reverence you this morning. We put you back on the throne of our life. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to pay the ultimate price for our sin. And Father, we look to that cross with a grateful heart. And Lord, we look to it and it humbles us because it was my sin that put your son there. It was my wrongdoing. It was my thoughts, my actions. My sin sent your son to have to die. And so I thank you. I thank you for that. I praise you. I lift you up over this place. Holy Spirit, would you fill this room right now? Would you speak to every heart? Lord, would you teach us? Bring us into the school of prayer. Teach us how to have a stronger, better relationship with you. We pray your blessing in this message. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. I'm going to teach in a different fashion today, and it may be a little bit more like you're used to in an outline manuscript type of way, but I hope it makes sense because I want it to stay with you because I want our church to be filled with people who pray. So this morning, there was a group of us, we met at 9 a.m. to pray before the service. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., there'll be prayer at Southridge Church. You're invited to attend. And so we want to be a church that doesn't just talk about prayer, doesn't just tell people about prayer, but we are a praying church because I believe what God has called you and called us to accomplish is far bigger than any one person could accomplish. We need God to intercede and intervene on our behalf. But in verse number 10 is the verse we're going to stay in this morning. It says, your kingdom come. I love this part of the verse because what's happening here is in prayer, we need to get back to proper priorities. You see, it says your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, not your kingdom, but his kingdom. We live in a world where you and I are praying to build our kingdom. And God says that's not how we approach prayer. And it's not wrong to pray for your job. It's not wrong to pray for your marriage. It's not wrong to pray for your children, but it's not where we start. It's about having a prayer priority. You and I understand priorities. We understand it. When somebody says that God is their priority, but yet doesn't go to church, doesn't pray, doesn't read a Bible, doesn't serve others, doesn't love people, then is God really a priority? Not really. 
When somebody says, I put family first, but never takes a spouse on a date night, never spends time with the kids, never works on the house, is never there for family meals, never takes family vacation, is family really a priority? Not really. When an employee says, hey, my one uh, uh, characteristic, my one great flaw is I just work too hard, but yet they're always late, they never accomplish tasks, are they really working hard? No. So here, we've got to say, no, God, you're a priority. And it's not just talk from me. This is real. This isn't just something we talk about making, prioritizing God, but it's putting him. But prioritizing alignment. So we prioritize alignment. Your kingdom come. I recently went to the mechanic because my tires were wearing out really fast. And I, was, I had talked to the mechanic. I said, hey, I just bought these tires. Why are they wearing out so fast? Now, I didn't break the car last week. That was not on me. But the tires wearing out too fast, that was on me. He said, your alignment is all out of whack. And because your alignment's out of whack, your tires are wearing thin on the tread, and so they're no good. And you're never balancing your tires. You're never rotating your tires. You're never doing the alignment. And so things are wearing out faster. If you spiritually, emotionally, mentally feel frazzled, uh, feel discombobulated, you feel anxiety, you don't feel the peace of God, understand it's because your prayer life is not in alignment with God. Because God is Jehovah Shalom. God is the God of peace. There should be peace in our lives, peace in our homes, peace in our marriages. God says, that's who I am. That's what you should have. And if you're not having that, it's because we're not prioritizing this alignment with God. And too often, in the church, we have not gotten in alignment with God. We've just said, God, here's my will. And God says, wait, you're going too fast, my child. It's my kingdom, not your kingdom. And we start there. We prioritize the alignment with God. And we're saying, God, let me get in alignment with you. Our prayer priorities often center around us. But prayer helps to establish proper priorities in our life. And I love this. Jesus got this from a young age. In Luke 2.49, Jesus, he was 11 years old. He kind of abandoned his family, and his family left Jerusalem, and they didn't notice for a couple of days that Jesus wasn't with the caravan. And then they come back to Jerusalem, and they find Jesus. Some of you remember the story. Jesus is in the temple. In the temple, Jesus was teaching. And then Jesus' mother, Mary, and his stepdad, Joseph, say, Jesus, what are you doing in the temple? We were worried sick about you. And what did Jesus say? I must be about my father's business. Even from a young age of 11 years old, he said, I have proper priorities. You see, it's easy as a Christian for our priorities to be pulled off course, isn't it? It's real easy for emergencies to steal time away. This is why I'm going to challenge you and encourage you that prayer time happened early in the morning. You say, I don't like to get up early in the morning. Neither do I. But I've noticed something. Nobody else likes to get up early in the morning either. So that means nobody's there to interrupt you. Except this morning. This morning, Jane and Pastor Meese were blowing up my email. I was like, guys, are you kidding me right now? I'm trying to do some work, and they're both emailing each other. It was like 5.30 in the morning. I was like, holy cow, what, what's going on? I'm trying to like, do stuff for Sunday and all this stuff, and they're up working. So most of the time, people aren't bothering you in the morning. So that's why I'm going to encourage you, prioritize that time with God in the morning. Now, you say, I'm a night person, but get that time with God. But not only Luke 2:49, Jesus in John 6:38 said, "For I come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me." 
Jesus knew how to prioritize. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who has the hardest time prioritizing God's will? You and I. And you know why we do? Because we think we've got a better way. You ever met that person? You're the boss, you're the supervisor, and you got that one employee. You say, this is how it's supposed to be done. And they're like, oh, I got a better idea. I got a better way. We should do it my way. And you're like, no, man, we need to do it this way. And they're like, no, 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 we need to do it this way. And it's a big fight. It's an argument. It's a delay. And they do it, and they break something. They mess something up. And then you're like, oh, I told you so. Just do it this way. God doesn't want you and I to go through that. But oftentimes, we do not get in alignment with God because we feel like we have a better way. We say, I will get outside of what God says in his word, and I'm going to do things how I want to do it. I'm going to live how I want to live. And God says, okay, I'll let you do that. It's not going to turn out well for you. And in the words of the famous Dr. Phil, how did that turn out? And so understand that God, he leaves us to our own devices, but yet we've got to suffer the consequences. Instead of simply saying, God, I'm just going to obey your will. I'm just going to try it your way. But oftentimes, we don't. God wants to establish his kingdom in four areas of your life. Write these down if you're taking notes. He first of all wants to establish his kingdom in your heart. Your heart should be his throne. And that, that's as old as time, right? We've heard that. My heart, his throne. But too many of us, our heart or our heart, his home, we've turned that home into a duplex. You live in one, God lives in the other, and we kind of do this, you know, sharing power, custody thing. And God says, no, that's not how it works. Your heart is my throne. I sit there, I rule and reign, and I will direct your steps. And so we've got to understand, God says, your kingdom come. That means God's kingdom in my heart, not only God's kingdom in my heart, but God's kingdom in my family. Joshua, he said this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So God doesn't want to just establish his kingdom in your heart. He wants to establish it in your family. That's your marriage if you're married. That's in your parenting, your grandparenting. God wants to establish this. Your relatives, you're going to be around family the next couple weeks over the holidays. Are you going to prioritize God among that family time? Or is that going to be the vacation from God? God is saying, no, I want to establish my kingdom. So establish my kingdom right where you are at. But too often we just neglect it. Also, God wants to establish his kingdom in God's church. You would think, well, of course God wants to do that. But how many churches have gotten away from the book? How many churches have neglected to follow the word of God when it comes to establishing God's kingdom? They pick their own way. They want to go with the tides of culture. They want to be uh, uh, loved and appreciated uh, for things that are outside of God's word. But we as the church of God must come back to the pillar and ground of truth. The pillar and ground of truth is the word of God. And we have lost sight of that. And churches are headed in errant doctrinal ways because they've missed that. And I know, I know there's first time people here and you hear words like doctrine and errant. And I, I know, I don't mean to lose you in the crowd. But I need us to understand that God's trying to establish his kingdom. And many of us are like, God, establish your kingdom over Sacramento. Burn it to the ground. Washington, D.C., burn it to the ground. God, establish your kingdom. God, do this, do that. And God's like, how about I just start in your heart? Like, like why don't you get over that pornography thing? Like, let's just start there. Why don't, why don't we just deal with the gossip? You know? Hey, why don't we just do that substance abuse? Hey, you know how you mistreat your spouse? You know, that, that whole beating your wife thing. You know, like, I understand you're mad at other people, but uh, this is kind of a big deal. You shouldn't do that. Oh, you know, this whole undermining everybody around you, just being a real jerk. You know, God wants to deal with these things in our hearts, but yet Christians are famous 
for seeing the problem everywhere else and pointing it out in everybody else. And then we come to church and we just want the pastor to just blast everybody else. And I'm praying the Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts. That God wants to establish his kingdom right here. That God right here, you do the work. Because if God can get a hold of my heart, and my wife said this to me. She said, if I can lead myself, I can lead anybody. And there's never been a truer statement. If you can lead you, because you're the hardest person to lead. You know that? You say, no, I'm easy. I'm great. I'm so likable and lovable. Everybody likes me. Vote for me for Pedro, president. I was about to say Pedro. I was going Napoleon Dynamite. Who's got my tots? I got up way too early this morning. And too many of you know that movie reverence. So we see in our life, God wants to establish his kingdom. In our family, in our church, and in our sphere of influence. All of you have a sphere of influence. God wants to establish that kingdom. And understand this. God wants alignment before he can put you on assignment. So if we're not in alignment, we're not going to be able to fulfill the assignment God has for us. And every person here has an assignment from God. God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. But we will never fulfill that plan and purpose if we're not in line with God's will. So we pray, thy kingdom come. Second part of the verse, your will be done. And this is where we move from uh, prioritizing alignment to a position of agreement. You say, what do you mean a position of agreement? This is where God's will and our will, we're in agreement on that's, that's, that's the way it needs to be. And I love this. My wife and I, we went out, go to a restaurant. The restaurant had an hour wait, and I was like, you want to wait? And I was hoping she would say no, but I was like, hey, you pick. If you want to wait an hour, I'll wait an hour in the freezing cold. Totally fine. I'm, yes, let's do that. And she was like, no, I just want a salad. I was like, oh, thank you. And I was like, let's go. We were in alignment, and it made the agreement that much easier. It was awesome. It's like, oh, man, we almost get to the point where we kind of read where each other wants. And I was like, hey, you know, that in your salad's not going to be all that great. And she was like, oh, thank you. I was like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that later on. She's not here. She's teaching rich kids. So it's free range for me right now. So look out. Don't listen to the podcast, honey. But getting into that position, and that's where we've moved from your kingdom come to your will be done. This is another thing where we say, God, I want your will done here. So I love what Jim Elliott, the famous missionary martyr, he said, God saves the best for those who leave the choice with him. Now, that is not a promise that your life is always going to turn out. That is a testimony of a man who said, I left the choice with God, and it turned out great for me. And even though he died on the mission field as a martyr, he still said, looking back on my life, I wouldn't have changed it. Giving God his will, his way was the best. Now, this whole message, you know what it's really about? How to get all your prayers answered. You say, yeah, that's why I came to church. I want all my prayers answered. I want the nice big house. I want the nice cars. I want the great spouse. I want all the blessings. When are you going to get to there? We're getting there. Trust me. Hang with me. Because we're bringing in alignment. Now we're in agreement with God's will. So once we have the agreement, then we can continue to move. You say, where are we moving to? And that's how to get our prayers answered. How do I get my prayers answered? Because you have a will and God has a will. So what I do, and this is just real practical, real basic, I get my heart in a neutral position. Any of you ever drive a stick shift? You got to put the car in neutral? Yeah. Put it in neutral. You need to put your heart in neutral. Some of you right now, you're like, I want that job. I want that spouse. I want that position. I want that. I want this. I want to have kids. I want to move here. I want to, I want to be doing this. We need to put our heart in a neutral position. 
because too often what happens is we put our heart in charge. We say, this is what I want. And God's like, no, no, that's not an agreement with me. And so once I'm in alignment, I put my heart into a neutral posture. But this does one of two things. It puts me in a posture of infinite possibility. Because when I choose my will, I'm limited to that outcome. When I put my will in God's hands, it's an infinite possibility. So who would you rather put your heart in? in? I don't want my heart in my hands. I want my heart in God's hands because God's like, oh man, because at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm a sun and shield. No good thing will I withhold from them who follow me. God is saying, leave the choice to me and I'll direct your heart. You see, this is where prayer gets exciting. This is where we say, now I'm in alignment and I'm in agreement with God. And now I'm starting praying God's desires. And this is awesome. Take your Bible. We're going to do a quick Bible study. Go to Genesis chapter number two. You need to see this. I'll put it up on the screen for you, and uh, I'm messing up Dave on the screen back there, but Genesis is on the notes. Genesis 2.19, I love this. God gave Adam a job to do. You know what his job to do? Name the animals. How many think that would be just a cool job? How many think he was having fun when he said platypus? Like, you know, he was just like, platypus, like, I don't know where that came from. I don't know what I ate last night, but platypus. You know, he was just having fun. But I love this part in the verse. Look at it. It says, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Did you see it? God said, Adam, I gave you responsibility. Pick whatever. I want to see what you're going to do with it. You know, there are times in our relationship when we're in agreement with God, where God just says, all right, my child, I want to see what you're going to do with this opportunity. I want to see what you're going to make with that marriage. I want to see what you're going to do with that business. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to be in on it. And I want to see what you do with this life that I've given you. And God takes great delight as you name the animals. What's your animal? What's that role that God has given you? Because you're in alignment. And all of a sudden, every request is a yes. You see, God is much more of a yes God than a no God. But yet too many Christians think God is more of a no God than a yes God. God has far more yeses for you than he has no's. But yet too often we are not in alignment and we're not in agreement. And so we're just like, God never lets me do anything. No, no, that's not the heart and character of God. The heart and character of God is like, Adam, I want to see what you're going to name the animals. I want to see what you're going to do with your life. Because you know the Father's heart. And when you know the heart of the Father, everything comes easier. Imagine for a second, I have three children. I've got an 11-year-old Megan. I've got a 9-year-old named Austin. And I've got a 4-year-old in the body of an 18-year-old named Kane. All right? The dude is huge. I don't know where he came from. He's much bigger than me. I'm hoping he's a linebacker. And then I can retire early. Okay? So this is going to be great. I have high hopes for this person. And whenever I see my children, they always ask me stuff. But imagine Austin. Austin is a person. Always watch him. Never turn your eyes on him. All right. He's always going to do something. And yes, real quick, you're like, man, I don't know if I should slap you or the devil in you. I have no idea. Right. It's it's just one of those. You got to be careful with Austin. But imagine my troublemaker son. I mean, my middle child, Austin, comes up to me and says, Dad, can I brush my teeth and floss? Like, Yeah, sure, son. Hey, Dad, you and mom worked hard. Can I give you guys a back massage? Yeah, of course. Hey, Dad. I know I'm a little bit rowdy and I got all this energy and, you know, Master Bradley at Taekwondo didn't nearly get all that energy out and I'm bouncing off the walls and I'm breaking stuff in the house. Can I go outside and play quietly so I don't bother you or mom or my siblings? Well, yes, son. Yes, you can. You can go outside and play. 
Oh, dad, oh, mom, you know, you guys work hard. You know, I want to make dinner tonight. Can I make you guys dinner, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with apple slices? Yeah, son, you could do that. Hey, dad, you know what? I just feel like I'm a growing young man. I need to get my rest. So I'm going to go to bed early. Is that okay if I go to bed early? Hey, yes, yeah, son. Hey, you know what? I think I need to get my GPA up. Is it okay if I start a study group and study a little bit harder in school and stay after a little bit? Well, yes, son, you, you, you may do, of course you may do that. That's very responsible of you. I'm not going to say no to any of those because he has learned the heart of the father. And when he has learned the heart of the father, there's no longer a no. It's always a yes. And when you and I are in alignment with God and then we get agreement with his will. So that six acres, the church building's already built. It's already done. This church where it's growing, where it's headed, it's already done. Because it's God's will that not any should perish, but that all might come to righteousness. God wants everybody saved. This area, the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley is going to be the next Bible Belt. I want to see this area totally, radically transformed. Not in the way some other people have it, but in the way that God would have it. And it's already done because that's in the will of the Father. It's in the will of the Father that your marriage get restored. It's in the will of the Father that you see your lost coworkers saved. It is in the will of the Father to raise up churches that stand for righteousness and truth. That's in the will of the Father. And we pray the Father's heart. It's always a yes. So I can pray his will with utter confidence. God wants you to have a godly husband. He wants you to have a godly wife. He wants you to have a, a wonderful ch- uh, children. He wants you to have these things. Now, we know that there are ups and downs. We know that there are fights and sickness and disease. We know there are these things. But that's where God comes in and says, I'm still Jehovah Rapha. I'm still the God who heals. I'm still Jehovah Nisai. I'm still Jehovah Shema. I'm still these things, even if life doesn't always turn out how you want. I am still who I am. And that's how you and I can make it through life. But we've got to come into alignment and agreement with God. Matthew 7 in the Amplified Translation. And this is a verse I've been studying because it says, ask and you shall find. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. But the word in that translation, I like it better. It says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Oftentimes we pray over something once and we get upset because it didn't happen right away. And God has this mentality. He says, no, just keep going. Be persistent. Keep working at it. Keep praying. Keep asking God. Keep seeking God. Keep pursuing him. Because God is saying, I want to do these things, but you need to be in alignment. But then I want to give you this practical. I said, hey, put your heart in a neutral position. Then get divine desires. And then you say, well, I really want to know that this is God's will. Then I screen it through scripture like a filter. Because God gave me a big desire in my heart, and I don't trust my heart. So I have to filter it through scripture or screen it through scripture. So when God puts a dream or a desire in my heart, I look for confirmation in his word. Do you know in the Bible there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible given to you and I? 7,000 promises. That's huge. But those promises are only potentially yours, not practically. And I know a lot of people today get into the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, kind of just like, oh, that's my promise. I'm going to take that promise to the bank. Understand something. There is... Lagos, which is the word of God, and then there is rhema, two very different things. When you and I are studying the word of God, and this happened, there was a uh, group of girls who heard a message on Peter walking on water, and uh, they came to a stream that was overflowing with water, but they had just heard a powerful message of 
Peter walking on water. And then they heard about how God is not a respecter of persons. So they began to just cry out and claim that they had power to walk on water. All three of those girls were swept out and drowned. Because they were walking on the logos, the revelation of God, God's word. It's potentially theirs. But it was not the rhema. The rhema is specific word from God. This is where God speaks to us specifically. And I won't, in my prayer life, I won't ask God for something until I have a rhema. I will wait and say, God, I'm not going to ask it until you've given me a specific word that I have permission because I want to be in alignment and an agreement with God that I'm asking for. One of these things that I'm asking for, I dare not even speak it because it's so embarrassing when I tell people. I share it with my wife and I share it with a few people because it's so big. And I'm just thinking, God, I I don't want to ask these things unless it's in accordance with your will. And so I need to filter these things through scripture. And I want God's will to be done. And I want these things, but it comes with this rhema where God works. And then lastly, we're running out of time. When we prioritize alignment and when we say, God, I want to be in a position of agreement, then we have power for any assignment. So let me help you out with this. Verse number 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. That's a very specific ask. Most of our prayers are so general. And then we're like, well, God doesn't answer prayer. Your prayer is God bless all the people of the world. Bless all of them. All the bad people. Bless them. God just cure everybody in the hospital. We don't get specific, so we don't even know if God did it. We need to get specific with God. Some of you are saying, hey, I want a husband. How tall is he? What color hair? What kind of job? You say, that's, that's funny. How would you know God answered your prayer request? He says, I'm looking for a wife. Okay, what kind of wife? I'm looking for a job. Okay, what kind of job? Because God doesn't give specific answers to general requests. But yet we as Christians are famous for just kind of, because we don't really know if God can answer. So we have to get very specific. I've gotten in my prayer specific where I'm asking certain color or I'm asking for a certain date because he said, give us this day our daily bread. Why didn't he say a meal or food? He said bread. That's a specific ask. And he said, give us this day. Not, hey, by the end of the week, if you could drop off some groceries, you know, Uber Eats could come on through, you know, that would be great. No, he said, give us this day our daily bread. I say it like this. Dreams need a deadline to stay alive. Dreams need a deadline to stay alive. Because what happens is some of us are holding on to it. And God is saying, your prayers are like those dreams. They need that deadline. Why do they need a deadline? To keep them alive. We're saying, God, I'm going to pray through. I'm going to seek this. I'm going to stay on my knees. I'm going to fast over this. Because I want to see God. You do something. Because some of us, we're, we're, we're prayer lives. We're like, I tried that, Pastor. I've heard those messages on prayer, and I'm done praying. And God is saying, you gave up because you didn't put any specifics around it. God is a specific God. Have you ever gotten into the minute detail of the human anatomy? How specific God is? How meticulous God is? You ever watch the Nature Channel? And aside from the lions eating all the, the, the little weak prey, you're like, oh, that is terrible, you know, or shark weak. You ever just step back and you just marvel at God's creation, like how he made things? Like my kids were, were saying they hate mosquitoes and flies. And then I break down how important mosquitoes and flies are. And they're like, oh, I'm certainly glad we have mosquitoes and flies. Yeah, they may be in a nuisance in one situation, but we need them. You know, you and I need to step back and marvel at God's creation, how detailed it is. But yet when it comes to our prayer request, 
We're so general. We're not specific. And then we're like, well, God doesn't answer prayer. And God's like, your prayer request was really blah. It's so vanilla. What, you're asking for a better job? Like, you didn't even put in an application for a job. Like, start there. Like, I don't even know. You say, well, God's omnipotent. God knows what I need. But God still likes you to ask. I learned that with my wife. Like, I can kind of read a mood, but she still likes me to ask, hey, babe, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm blanking. No, just kidding. She doesn't. And she's like, thank you for asking how I'm doing. God still wants his children to come to him and have that communication, to talk to him, to build that relationship with him. And that's why we can pray Psalms 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's why we can pray Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. That's why we can pray John 14, 13, 14, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's why we can pray Luke 11, 19, 11, so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened up to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and he, him who knocks it will be opened. So we pray very specifically. You see, we need to see God answer in specific ways. So as a church, we need to once again get in alignment with God so that we can say, God, we want to see your will accomplished in San Jose, in the Bay Area, in our family. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. As Christians, we need to get back to that. You say, well, I've got everything I need. And that may be part of the problem that you just don't pray big enough prayers. You don't pray scary prayers, big prayers. And it's real easy to say, well, I'm too young or I'm not experienced or I'm too old and I can't pray for that and I'm not spiritual enough. Where are those prayers that God looks back and it's like, oh, oh, they want to test me now, huh? I'm going to close with this. Let's go back in time. When Disney movies used to be good. The first original Aladdin. The real one. All right? The good one. Aladdin's in the cave. He gets three wishes. But he doesn't want to use up his three wishes, so he tricks the genie into doing some free stuff on the side. And he wants to see how powerful the genie is. And then the genie says, you never had a friend like me. And he busts in that song, and then everybody starts dancing and everything. Can he do this? Can he do that? And never seen pull a rabbit out of a hat, you know, and he's doing that whole little song and bit. Here's what's amazing. Just like the genie just kind of flexed and did some amazing things, God is waiting for his children to say, my daddy can do that. I used to do that growing up when we were little kids. All the boys would be like, my dad can lift a car. Well, my dad could do this and my dad could do that. You know, you start bragging on your dad and then the dad show up, you know. It's like, oh, why'd you have to show up? Now they know you can't lift anything. Like, you ain't seen leg day in forever. Like, man, you need to park in the handicap, you know? Your legs ain't working, you know? And it's just, it's one of those things we used to brag on them. And God is waiting for his children to brag on him and say, God, I believe you can do this because I know it's in accordance with your will. I know you want to see these desires. And yet the church of God, we are not testing our God. And I wonder, is it just because we don't feel like we're worthy because that's what praying the names of God. We understand our position in Christ. We are in alignment with him now. We can ask. That's where we can, Hebrews 4, I can therefore come boldly under the throne of grace 
that we would find help in time of need. And so church, this has got to be the new cornerstone of our church is that prayer is pivotal. It's not an afterthought. It's not a transition between song sets. It's not anything like that. But prayer, we understand this. This is what's going to build the church. It's what's going to bring down strongholds. It's what's going to build that multi-million dollar building over there that I just found out was going to be way more expensive than I originally intended, so please pray. (laughs) And yet, I have utter, complete faith that God's going to do it. I sat down with the general contractor this week, and he was like, so you're ready to build the building? And I said, yeah, I'm ready to build the building. He said, you didn't hear me. So you're ready to build the building. I was like, I think you're asking a different question than you're really asking. I said, I have blonde roots, so you got to be careful. Let's go a little bit slower. I said, you're asking if I have money to build a building. That I do not. I have money for lunch, but that I do not. But we're moving forward. Would you like to be a part of this journey? He's like, absolutely not. And I was like, well, let's enjoy lunch. No. We talked, and I just said, God's already got it built. My wife was pregnant nine months before we met our baby Cain. But Cain was real for those nine months. We couldn't see him. Maybe I could hear a heartbeat. See him kicking his mommy's tummy. But don't tell me, even though I couldn't see him, he wasn't real. He was real. You may not be able to see that building, but I can. You may not be able to see this building filled, but I can. You may not be able to see your marriage being restored, but I can. You may not be able to see your rebellious son or daughter come back to the faith, but I can. You may not be able to see the Bay Area become a new Bible Belt, but I can. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. But flip that verse around, where there is vision, but where there is vision. Come on, yes. The people of God need a new yes. vision of a God who sitteth high and above, yes. of a God who wants to establish his kingdom. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What are we waiting for? God already wants it. And guess what? My God gets what he wants. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we know that your desires, your will, it's happening. It's setting in motion. But the people, we are the limiting factor. Your son, he went back to Nazareth and he said it was there he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. God, may you not look at Southridge Church and say, I want to do so many great miracles, but their unbelief limited me. God, I believe that our church is going to be a faith-filled, Holy Spirit-powered church that we move forward through the power of prayer and that we're going to learn how to pray. So teach us, your people, how to get every prayer answered as we bring our hearts in alignment with you. With head bowed and eyes closed, you're here this morning. And my hope is that the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, that he's challenged you, that he said you need to pray. But maybe you're here and you don't know God. You've never committed your life to Christ. You've never received Jesus as your personal savior. And you say this morning, I wanna do that. I wanna give my life to Christ. I'm going to ask a question. If you know you've given your life to Christ, you've received Jesus, your personal Savior, would you slip up your hand so I can pray? I can just see those hands. Oh, amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. There were some that couldn't raise their hand. You don't know if you've dedicated your life to Christ. And you say, this morning, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want to say yes to Jesus.
I want to put him on the throne of my life. If that's you, with nobody looking around, just me, just you, and God, would you slip up your hand and say, today's the day. I want to dedicate my life to Christ. I see that hand. I see that hand. Oh, praise God for that. Amen. I see that hand in the very back. God bless you. I see that hand. Yes, right by the pillar. I see that. Any more? Amen. I see that hand. Let's pray for these that are making a decision to give their life to Christ. I'm going to pray out loud, and you could pray quietly, and you could pray a simple prayer like this. And it's not the words that saves, it's the heart. But you could simply say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to save me from my sin. I thank you that it's a free gift. I can't earn it. I can't do anything for it. It's the free gift, not by works, but by grace. I receive that gift in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.